This is the last episode of season one of The Trust Show. I can't believe that I already recorded 10 episodes and the complete first season. In this episode, I discuss the three layers of successful organizations and how you can improve on them. Organizations typically put the emphasis on two of those layers, the personal and professional development, something that's done individually, and organizational development. With personal development, we improve the individuals, and we do that individually. With organizational development, we typically use tools that grow the organization, such as strategic planning, idea generation, and operational excellence. But however, organizations typically don't put emphasis on the third component, which is building trust in the organization. Having highly developed and professional individuals is not enough for the organizational development to be successful. First, you must build trust. Trust is what turns a group of creative, productive, and effective individuals into a creative, productive, and effective team and organization. In this episode, I will show you why and how. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 10 of The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this educational podcast, I will challenge you to think differently about trust through the eight laws of trust and the six components of trustworthiness. But I will not only teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust be trusted and know who to trust. Because the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you and can you trust me? I mentioned three levels of organizational development, and I will start with level one, the individuals, the professional development level. This is something that's done for every person individually. Uh, it's done by people inside of the organization, or it's uh, done by people outside of the organization. Sometimes you're being sent to another organization, such as uh, the Center for Creative Leadership or any other uh, such organization. Sometimes it's uh, going to a university, a college, or any outside uh, facility. Sometimes you bring people from the outside, experts in, in certain areas of professional development inside, and in large enough organizations, you may actually have this talent, the training talent inside. What are the type of things that uh, that you're training or, or providing as professional development? One of them, and, and probably the most common one, is technical skills. Technical skills are skills that are required for whatever the individual is doing in their role. Those would be different typically between uh, people in the uh, in different roles in the organization. So a software programmer will need to continually continuously develop in their software skills. Uh, so that's that's a technical skill. A salesperson. Uh, 
needs to train in sales techniques and capabilities. So that's another technical skill related to sales and so on, doing market research, uh, marketing communications and so on. So this is how you get a person from being, let's say, at 50% of their capabilities within that specific role to 100% of their capabilities or even more than that within a specific role. Another area where we train individually, a part of professional development, is soft skills. Soft skills are skills like empathy. Uh, there are things that are considered related to what you do, related to your job, but uh, not necessarily the technical aspects, the professional aspects of it. I would imagine the trust should be within soft skills, but it's typically not taught as such. So soft skills would be uh, how do you relate to other people? How do you talk to other people? How do you communicate communication skills and so on? Things that are not specifically related to the specific role you have within the team, but are still required within the uh, organization for the organization to be more effective. I already mentioned sales skills, uh, project management uh, that we can argue argue whether it's a specific technical skill or a software skill, uh, the ability to manage a project with multiple people that are not necessarily uh, reporting directly to you. Uh, then we have the, uh, uh, the leadership skills. And, and that's, that's one of my pet peeves, I, I should actually say, leadership skills. Because this assumes that everybody needs to be a leader, that being a leader is good, not being a leader is bad. And so I'll tell you a story I wasn't even planning on, on telling in this episode. Uh, and that's back in 2004 when I managed a group of uh, 89 people, if I remember correctly, and about $100 million of uh, revenue. I was sent to the Center for Creative Leadership. Uh, the program was called Developing the Creative Leader, DC, uh, DCL. It, it was a one-week program, again, by the Center for Creative Leadership in Colorado Springs. It was an amazing week. Uh, it started, first of all, before that session. Uh, I, I think I spent the three months before the session uh, doing self-assessment, uh, a lot of 360 assessments by my peers, my boss, uh, people working for me, and so on. It was all sent to the Center for Creative Leadership, and then uh, I spent a week uh, there in Colorado Springs with leaders from some of the world's largest organizations. It was an inspiring week in an inspiring place, so I enjoyed it a lot. The last day uh, of that session, I started the morning with a two-hour conversation with an industrial psychologist. So we sat down and she said, after, have read, uh, after she read everything that uh, uh, all of my self-assessments, 360 assessments, uh, everything that I've done throughout the week, she asked if we can frame our conversation around a question, a specific question. And, and the question that she came up with was looking at my history and knowing that I spent a lot of time in startup companies, small companies, even companies that I started myself. But at the time, I was working for a company that was a Fortune 200 company with 35,000 employees. She asked, are you a startup person? or a large company person? It, it's a great question. I, I, I have to say, it, it is a great question, but I had a bigger question that bothered me. 
You see, I really enjoyed being an individual contributor the first several years in that company. And at the time, leading a group of people was a lot more operational. It was, I, I'm not going to say that I was bad at it. I, I wasn't very good at it, but uh, I didn't enjoy it as much. And so my question was, am I a leader or an individual contributor? Again, I'm, at, I'm with the Center for Creative Leadership in a program that's called, uh, I believe, Developing the Strategic Leader. And, and this was a question that, that really bothered me. And we spent the next two hours. And uh, when I got to the office Monday morning, I knew what I had to do. And I asked my boss, my supervisor, to relieve me from being the uh, general manager of that business unit and let me be the individual contributor that I am, where I can help all three business units that were run under her. And eventually, that's what happened. And, and it, did have, uh, it did yield some very good uh, results. But this is an important thing to consider that not everybody has to be a leader. So when we talk about in professional development, individual professional development, not everything has to be preparing you to be a leader. There are leaders, there are followers, there are individual contributors that contribute to the organization just as much. I'm going to tell you another story, and, and that's a story I was planning on telling you. Uh, still working in that company, and uh, uh, once a year, we had our online self-evaluation form. So this is a requirement from the Human Resources Department. Uh, you have to fill your uh, self-evaluation form once a year. And so sure enough, uh, I get uh, the form, and the first field in the form was list your strengths. Well, uh, I wrote innovation, strategy, uh, and industry relations. I was representing the company in a few uh, industry organizations. So those were my strengths. The next field was, well, you, you can imagine for yourself. If the first field was strengths, then the next field was weakness. You said weaknesses? No, no, it wasn't weaknesses. We are very careful. We don't want to say weaknesses because that may feel somebody feel bad about themselves. So we call it areas for improvement. So there are strengths and there are areas for improvement. So sure enough, I answered the, the, the form, I filled the form, and then I got called to the uh, human resources department. And they told me that I didn't fill the form appropriately or correctly. How can you not fill the form correctly if you're self-evaluating? You're writing this about yourself. I'm writing it about myself. How can I be incorrect? So I asked, well, what do you mean by being incorrect? And they said, well, you wrote the same things, innovation strategy and industry relations, for both your strengths and for your areas of improvement. And I said, you know what? Let me explain something. It takes effort, it takes time, it takes passion to, to improve. I want to take my strengths and spend time improving them and turn them into greatness rather than take my weaknesses and turn them into mediocrity. Because I will never be able to turn a weakness into greatness or, or even into a strength because I'm not passionate about it, it doesn't interest me. Um, I, I don't think it's the right thing to do. So one of the things that organizations really need to uh, emphasize, and, and I think that sometime in a future season, future episode, I'll talk more about that, is to let people 
improve their strengths and not their weaknesses and and identify what is it that you're good at? Where are you going to passionately and joyfully contribute to your organization? And that's your strength and turn that into greatness. So when we talk about individual uh, development, that's where organizations should focus. But, But I'm getting on a tangent here. I'm still on professional individual development. And the good about this is that that you're getting skills that you can take with you even when you leave the company. So it's not these are not skills that stay with the company once you train other people. When the company makes them specific, so I'm going to teach you a few skills that only are only relevant in our company, well, that's when they may not carry to other companies. Choosing the same courses for everyone can help develop some common language and tradition and traditions and disciplines within that company. So there are certain things that, that you may learn in a certain company, take it outside to another company, and then find that, well, it doesn't work this way here in this company. The process of uh, providing individual uh, contribution uh, or, or professional development is, is really, to me, it's a five-step process. Step number one is I, the trainer, will explain it to you. First of all, I need to explain the rationale, the why, the uh, how to do that. And, and, you know, it's kind of a very sanitized environment, very clean environment. We're not really doing it. The second step is I'm going to show you. So I'm going to do it. Whatever that is, I'm going to do it and show you how I do it. Because you're going to learn a lot, not but only by understanding the logic and the rationale behind it or, or understanding the process, but actually by observing me doing it. The third step is you'll do it with me mentoring or coaching you. So I'm not going to let you make mistakes. That works really well in uh, pilot training. Uh, You know, it's not enough that I'm going to read the manual and then I'm going to see somebody else fly. Uh, It is really very helpful and prevents a lot of uh, accidents when you let the student pilot actually fly with the instructor that can save the student from making any mistakes. Step number four is you'll do it yourself and become good at it. So now you know how to do it. You've been doing it with me as your mentor or coach. Now you're doing it by yourself. Now you're getting good at it. Come step number five. Now you teach others and you mentor them. That's just about it uh, on uh, personal, individual, professional development. That's one of the the two areas that organizations typically focus on today. They need to focus on a third one. Level three, and I know I'm skipping level two because level two is where I want to focus on. Level three is uh, things that are done at the organizational level. So, for example, uh, innovation framework, execution framework, or or operational excellence, strategy framework, sales, and, and any other skills. But those are skills that are done at an organizational level. This is really where I started. When I started helping companies outside of the companies I work for. Actually, I did that even for companies that I did work for. Uh, As one example, uh, when I joined Texas Instruments uh, back in uh, May of 2002, 
I joined and, and within a month I flew over and I spoke with the general manager of the business unit I was working for. And I asked a pretty direct question. I asked, do we have a strategy? And, you know, that's a pretty career limiting question to ask, especially after a month on the job. But he looked at me and he said, you know what? Not sure. What do you suggest? So one piece of advice when you ask a question like that, be prepared for the answer to be what do you suggest. And I said, you know what? I don't have something in mind right now, but let me fly home and uh when I get home, I'll think about that. By the time, uh, I, you know, the next week starts, Monday morning, I'll send you a proposal. I was actually done. That was a Friday. I was done with the proposal by the time I landed back in Silicon Valley, which is where I lived at the time. I had an idea. I have participated in the past in a process that's called scenario planning. And scenario planning is an amazing process where you identify the uh, uh, the, the driving forces and, and really you narrow them down to the critical uncertainties in your industry or that would affect whatever it is you're trying to identify, which is really how will our company or our business unit be successful into the future? Uh, there are some great companies like the Royal uh, Shell Oil that do that on a 50-year time horizon. So you come up with that, you define the future possible scenarios, plausible scenarios, and then you have teams actually writing the script to what would we do if this would be the scenario. And out of that comes a strategy. And I'll tell you one thing that came out of it is that we decided in that company that we're going to be the first company to put Wi-Fi in phones. But that's a whole different story and, and I'm, I'm not going to focus on that. But that is really where I started. So I started doing that. I suggested scenario planning to the general manager. He said, fine, we scheduled an event for November of that year, 2002. I brought in 30 people from within the business unit and outside the business unit. I built this structured process that, that was kind of modeled after I did a lot of reading of how to do that. Uh, and, and I participated in scenario plannings in the past. This was the first time that I facilitated it and the results were just great. So I started that doing doing it within the company I worked for and doing a few other things within the companies that I worked for. But then I also started doing it with other companies and I really started with ideation workshops. So the whole idea was to have a one, two, three day workshop offsite in a place where you're gonna be inspired or the participants are going to be inspired and then just take them through a, a process, a structured process that would yield ideas. and that worked but we came up with ideas those ideas never stuck within their companies and this is when i realized that uh, what was missing was really another layer here and that that was uh that was just about the time when i started working on my uh, doctoral dissertation and that was why I chose the topic of why are people so much more creative when they work in startups than when they work in large mature companies. So uh, the, this third layer is focused on the organization as a whole and not on individuals within the organization. So first layer was individual, personal, professional development. The third layer is organizational development that looks at the organization. It makes the organization think and act in certain ways. 
the areas, uh, if I go back to uh, Peter Drucker, said that uh, an organization has two and only two functions, innovation and marketing. And I'm probably slightly misquoting him. Innovation and marketing. I think it's more than innovation and marketing. Uh, there is innovation. There are different frameworks such as design thinking and trees and open innovation and crowdsourcing and lean startup. So th there are different uh, innovation theories uh, or, or frameworks that helps an organization come up with new ideas uh, with, with innovation. Again, if you notice that we're not talking about individuals anymore, we're talking about actions and, and thoughts that the organization must take, and, and we kind of separate it from the people. There are operational excellence or execution-focused uh, efforts uh, or, or frameworks such as Six Sigma, just-in-time, JIT. Uh, those relate typically more to production and execution. The balanced scoreboard that looks at the organization as a whole, again, related mostly to execution, but it can include other areas underneath. There is the whole area of strategy. So there's the three horizon, uh, which is more of a product strategy uh, framework, the blue ocean strategy framework, SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I'm sorry, I should say strengths, op uh, areas for improvement, opportunities, and threat. And in case you didn't notice, that was sar sarcasm. So SWOT analysis, scenario planning I told you about, business war games, which is something that I've done uh, within the companies as well. Uh, so this is how you analyze and, and predict competition. Again, it's a strategy. Jobs to be done is another one. So those are frameworks related to strategy for the most part. And then there are all kinds of sales uh, techniques. Uh, and again, all of those techniques really look at organizational actions and thoughts uh, rather than uh, individual. Once again, they can be done internally or externally by internal people or by external people. They can be done in an external location like a university. Uh, when they're done internally, you have to ask yourself, as big as your company is, do you have a world-class uh, world trainer to provide that kind of training or uh, deliver a workshop or an ideation uh, uh, event? Sometimes it just makes sense. Go get a world-class trainer. And I think if there's one thing that COVID-19 taught us is that uh, this can even be done remotely, not necessarily with that person in line. Although personally, I think that in-person is going to be a lot more effective. Most of those are done through workshops, so uh, not so many online courses, although I'm sure that there are some, because again, you need to get your hands dirty but once again, especially if we're talking about ideation and coming up with the new ideas. But once again, uh, these focus on the organization itself and treats the individuals as parts, as cogs, as screws within that organization rather than individuals. There's one thing that's still missing. Rather than talk about how you build trust, because this is the entire podcast uh, here and, and my books and, and online courses, I'm going to talk about where, where does it play a role in the effectiveness, productivity, innovation, and everything that the organization stands for. When you work on professional development, what you would get is you would get more out of every person, whether it's technical skills or soft skills. So 
let's say that an individual that was just put into a role they they have they bring some experience and some knowledge but let's just for argument's sake hypothetically say that each one is right now operating at 50 percent capability uh they are capable for a lot more but they're operating at 50 percent because they don't know how to operate better they haven't practiced how to operate better and so with uh individual professional development we bring those individuals from 50 percent to let's say all the way to a hundred percent so now we have a hundred percent effective individuals in their specific roles and maybe even in some soft skills in their ability to communicate with others how about the organization? Well, there are two studies that I mentioned in uh, a previous book, uh, the book Unkill Creativity, How Corporate America Can Out-Innovate Startups. And, and I wrote that book right after I was done or, or short after I was done with my PhD dissertation because it really gave me ideas on how to help larger organizations be as creative, as innovative as the smaller organizations. One study that I quoted there, uh, a study of 721 employee, uh, companies showed that the market share of consistently innovative companies was six times higher than those of non-innovative companies. It showed that the difference in profitability was minimal at the beginning of the period. So they, this was a longitudinal study. So it compared those companies from the, the starting point. And while the difference in profitability was very minimal at the beginning, it started growing as innovations were spilling over for future years over a period that they took a period of 12 years. As the innovation process created a permanent advantage, profitability of those innovative companies were 50% better than non-innovative ones. So think about that. Profitability was 50% better. And innovative companies, innovative companies, had profits that were much more resilient. They were actually 50% better to economic downturns than non-innovative companies. So when you go through an economic downturn and you're a profitable, you're an innovative company, you're 50% better. Another study that I quoted of 4,914 drug companies showed that over a period of 20 years, those who were persistently innovative, kept on coming up with new ideas, generated five times more profit than the non-innovative companies. That is over a period of 20 years. So you, we can agree that those tools at the organizational levels definitely do improve profitability, which is what the organization really cares about. But when I did my PhD study, here's something that I learned. First of all, I, I look at it as innovation equals creativity plus implementation. So creativity is really the individual function. And my study, my research focused on creating a culture for innovation, for creativity. How do we create a culture that uh, promotes creativity and supports creativity rather than uh, puts hurdles? Creativity depends on autonomy, accountability, and the ability to hold a constructive disagreement. I talked about that earlier in the season. But what I found was that they all depend on trust. So at level two, this is what was missing. This is what the organizations currently don't focus on is where trust comes in. This is how you turn organization into teams. 
when when you have a team, a powerful team, uh, one plus one equals three. Okay, when you don't have trust within a team, one plus one equals well less than one. So every person, instead of just being as creative, innovative, productive, effective, whatever they can be on their own, they're actually fighting the organization, fighting other people. In they spend time and energy instead of delivering everything to the bottom line of the organization. In summary, there are three levels of organizational development. There is at the third layer, the organizational level. This is where we teach the organization as an organization, strategy, innovation, operational excellence, sales, things that are kind of organizational functions. There is the individual or professional development. I call that layer one. This is These are the technical skills that every individual gets. These are the soft skills that every individual gets. This is how we focus on individuals and we train them, we develop them individually. Level two, which is missing today very badly from organizations, it's the focus on building trust. This is where you turn a group of creative, productive, and effective individuals into a creative, productive, and effective team or even organization. There is room and there is need for each one of those layers. Building trust, but not having strong individuals uh, that are professionally developed and not deploying any organizational level frameworks is not going to be enough. My emphasis here is do not forget the importance of building trust to the effectiveness of the organization. This is the end of season one. Again, still can't believe that I'm done with the first season, 10 episodes. I'm about to start recording season two. And season two, I I can't wait to start that. We'll talk about the model of trustworthiness that I have observed and, and I have developed over the last several years. It has evolved and you're going to see the latest and greatest of my thinking about what makes an individual a brand, a leader, anyone more trusted by others. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll make sure to answer it or find the answer to it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. That's Y-O-R-A-M at thetrustshow.com. If you like this podcast episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get new episodes. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings would help others who are looking for a podcast just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my online course at trustedatwork.com. Find my books on Amazon or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening.